0: Welcome to Karura's weekly podcast. Thank you so much for taking your time to journey with us. We hope your spiritual life will be transformed as you listen in. We start in three, two, one. Thank you, Becky. Let's appreciate Becky for leading uh, us today. Asante Sana, just to, you know, reiterate one of the announcements that she made about uh, the Church White Survey. This is something that we do um as a church and we're inviting you to please uh, participate when you receive the link share with other members of the church who can help us because this helps serve you better even as we grow together as a church but we are happy that you're here today thank you for them that are here physically and them that are following us online for being with us and making this your home Now, I've been doing a study titled Chiseled by Phil Title with one of my community life groups. And I have been uh, learning a lot and drawing quite a lot. And actually, today's someone is uh, inspired by one of the studies that I've picked uh, from that book. But also, there is a popular book called uh, If. You want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat by John Otberg. And it's an amazing book and it's a great read in relation to the character that we will be looking at today. So today we are saying step out and I pray that by the end of uh, the sermon you'll know, how can I step out? What can I do while I step out? Let's start by reading the book of Luke uh, chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. This is just my introductory passage, but let's read together. It says, one day as Jesus was standing by the Lake Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. And asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and told the people from the pot. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Verse 6, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Now this is a very exciting encounter, and an encounter that starts or opens up um, a very adventurous relationship between jesus and peter jesus asked whether he could borrow peter's boat to use it as a podium to be able to speak to the people who had gathered around him and uh, peter gave a an order and jesus went and he taught he preached from the pot and um as these fishermen were fixing that they're washing their nets After a night long fishing, uh, and they had caught nothing that night. Jesus speaks to them and says, Peter, uh, throw your net into the deep water. And Peter is like, Jesus, we've done this thing through the night. But because you say so, I love that. Because you say so, I will do it. And Peter does that. And they experience a miracle that they hadn't seen as fishermen. They get um, their nets full that they start breaking. They even invite other people to come and help them. In fact, the catch was so large that the two boats that they were using began to sink. Such an encounter. Now, this is an accomplished uh, fisherman, Peter, who was instructed by the son of a carpenter on where to throw the net for a mega catch of fish. It's an accomplished fisherman who has been fishing fish all his life. He's being called and he's being challenged. He's being told, come and I will make you a fisher of men. He's being told to abandon his um, trade that he's done to be taught a new line of fishing. I find Theodore Roosevelt's uh, quote uh, describing Peter in a good way. Theodore says, it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out um, how the strong man stumbles or where the door of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, who at best knows in the end the triumph of great achievement and who are the worst if he fails at least fails while daring greatly so that his place will never be with those cold timid souls who know neither victory or defeat it seems to me like peter was always ready to throw himself into the arena I like Peter because my best description of Peter would be a guy full of Kimbele Mbele. And uh, his Kimbelembele actually advances him to grow in his spiritual life and advances him also to challenge other disciples to grow. Peter was always ready to engage. And from his life we see becoming a disciple often requires us to face our fears. Now, probably Peter had a lot of fears when he was being called by Jesus to come, leave being a fisherman, come become a fisher of men. This is something that he hadn't done before. But the Bible says he left immediately and followed Jesus. Our main text today will be Matthew chapter 14 from verse 22 through 33. Let me read a portion of it. It says from verse uh, 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. You can tell that one of the things that these disciples experienced initially was a great fear. Now, let me put this story into context. It starts, verse 22, starts by saying immediately Jesus made. That it, it means it's something that he had done before. And what he's done before, Jesus has just fed the over 5,000 people. And when the people saw this, they said to themselves, Surely this is the prophet who was to come to the world. When we read in John chapter 6, verse 14. Now, when Jesus saw that people would try to make him a king, he immediately sent his disciples away by boat to Bethsaida. Now, the Greek word used here means to compel. It's like you're almost forcing them to go. And it seems to suggest there was a crisis. What was the crisis? Jesus' disciples also wanted him to be a king like the crowd that was there. And they didn't understand yet that instead of becoming an earthly king, Jesus was meant to suffer and to die. If Jesus had become an earthly king, he would have no chance to suffer and to be killed. And thus God's plan for man's salvation would have been blocked or at least would have been altered. Therefore, Jesus didn't want his disciples to remain there and experience this kind of talk. Maybe he was keeping them away Uh, from being swayed uh, by the euphoria that was there. You may remember when Satan was tempting Jesus in the desert, he, the devil, had promised to make Jesus the ruler of all nations if Jesus would agree to worship him. This can be seen as a similar temptation where Christ resists from being made an earthly king. He was not to be an earthly king, but rather a suffering servant, as we see, and as already prophesied in the book of Isaiah. His kingdom was not of this world, and he had to resist that. Here's a lesson for you and me. When you are in a crisis, what do you do? We see here, Jesus, there was a crisis. What did he do? He sent his disciples away to the other side. What did he do? He went to the mountainside to pray. When you find yourself in a crisis, the best thing to do will be to hide yourself in prayer. Back to our story in Matthew. Now, Jesus identifies himself and tells the disciples not to fear. Now, a quick look, a quick a word study in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, uh, Luke, and John. Of these two words, fear and faith, will surprise you how often these words are used. In fact, you could try it. Just study the Gospels and use two uh, different colors to highlight those two words. One for fear and another for faith. And you'll be amazed these two words almost are used in the same verse or in the same story and in the same context it would make for an interesting study so please take that challenge and start um, reading and highlighting that word and the disciples here are terrified now that's that's putting it in a mild way it's more like they are almost scared to death because there are waves it's a stormy sea And they are about to die. They are struggling against a storm. Yet they are on a journey obeying the Lord. It's Jesus who had told them, go to the other side. Now there are times we will find ourselves in the middle of storms even when we are obeying the Lord. Storms are not for them who have walked away from the Lord or those who are living in sin storms are also for them who are obeying the Lord and them who are following the Lord. Storms come for correction. If we are out of the Lord's will, a storm may come to take us back to where we are supposed to be. A good example would be Jonah if you remember his story. Storms come for perfection. These are storms to develop and grow our faith now that we have been taught, now that we know the teachings of Jesus, he can test us to exercise our faith like this storm that we are seeing here. But do not be afraid when these storms come to you. God wants to move us from fear to faith. God wants to move us from dismay to trust. Verse 26 says, When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Now, there was a popular Jewish superstition held that the appearance of spirits um, at night meant that uh, you would face a disaster. The disciples' terror may have been prompted by what they may have thought was a water spirit. But also, I think they were terrified because. They were not ready to die. Their boat was about to capsize and they would have died. They were not ready to die. But what's happening here is not that superstition. It's not because they were about to die. What's happening here is a display of the majestic presence and power of the transcendent Lord who rules over the sea. And who rules over everything. A lesson for you and me here. Whenever you are in a crisis. In the midst of your tears. Of your cry for help. He is present. The Lord is present. He is present in all your circumstances. Whether in your business issues. In your family issues. In your personal issues. Whatever storm that you find yourself in. He's right there. The psalmist David writes and says, And call upon me in the day of the Lord. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. This was the Lord speaking to David. In reference to restoration of Israel, God speaks and says, Call to me and I will answer you. I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Jonah affirms the Lord that the Lord is with us wherever and whenever in Jonah 2:2 2, 2, he says, I was in very bad trouble. I called to the Lord for help and he answered me. I was in deep, I was deep in the grave. I cried to you, and you heard my voice. Hebrews 13:5 says, I like how the amplified version puts it. Let your character your moral essence, your inner nature, be free from the love of money, shun greed, be financially ethical, being content with what you have. For he has said, I will never under any circumstances desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake you or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not the lord is speaking to you and to me and saying i am with you always do not be afraid i will walk with you what is it that produces fear in you most especially when you think of leaving it behind and stepping out in faith is it your career is it a relationship is it a secrecy or is it your success What is it do you say i cannot leave this i cannot leave this career because if i move i cannot enjoy these sparks in any other organization you say i cannot leave this relationship because it's my only way of provision what is it that most produces fear in you face your fears and the best way to face your fears is to face is is to face it with faith becoming a disciple often requires you to take a step of faith verse 27 but Jesus immediately said to them take courage it is I don't be afraid lord if it's you peter replied tell me to come to you on the water come he said then peter got down out of the boat walked on the water and came toward jesus on seeing how the disciples were terrified jesus comes to them he tells them "Do not be afraid it is i now i like that that literally means i am now, I am his name by which God wished to be known and worshipped in Israel. This name expressed his character as a faithful and dependable God who desires the full trust of his people. You may remember a conversation between Moses and God in Exodus when Moses was struggling to accept the call to be sent to Pharaoh to go and deliver the Israelites. He says in Exodus 3.14, Then God said to Moses, tell them, I am who I am. When you go to the Israelites, tell them, I am sent me to you. Isaiah 43 says 10 from verse 10. The Lord says, you people are my witnesses and the servant I chose. I chose you so that you would help people believe me. I chose you so that you would understand that I am he. I am the true God. There was no God before me and there will be no God after me. I myself am the Lord and there is no other savior. I am the one who spoke to you, saved you and told you those things. It was not some stranger who was with you. You are my witnesses and I am God. This is what the Lord himself said. John 8, 58 Jesus answered, the fact is before Abraham was born, I am this is what jesus told his disciples now jesus did not say i was he says i am and here he is expressing the eternity of his being and his oneness with the father jesus is applying this title to himself authoritatively affirming that he is god there is no other god whatever we may take and put on thrones can never replace who our God is. There is no replacement for who Jesus is. Only he is the true God. And that God, the one who is faithful and dependable, hasn't changed. He hasn't changed from the old days. He hasn't changed because we have new cultures or new trends emerging He remains to be the same God, dependable and faithful and trustworthy. Why wouldn't you trust such a guy? Why wouldn't you? Peter requests for an invitation to do something extraordinary. I guess he wants to practice his faith, exercise his trust in his teacher. Like I already said, I like Peter Kimbele Mbele. He speaks and says, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. And Jesus tells him, come. Up until today, I do not know any person other than Peter who has walked on water. Peter took on the miracle that he was witnessing because of his faith. Now, the reason Peter would, um, could walk on water was not because he wanted to write a book about walking on water or to send out public photos of himself surfing without a surfing board. Peter's motivation was neither not- notoriety nor fame. He was motivated by his faith in Jesus. He wanted to go out and be with Jesus. Peter obeys and takes the great risk. Verse 30 says, But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Peter was on his way to hero status. The hard part was behind him. He had gotten out of the boat. He was mastering this water-walking Manenos. Then it happened. Reality set in. He saw the wind. As his initial enthusiasm succeeded, he realized just how bad the storm was. He saw the wind. And the same thing happens to us many times we launch into a great adventure, we start a new job we take on stretching ministry engagements, we begin a family and in in the initial days we are excited and we are filled with great hope we are out of the boat and we want to enjoy this new adventure we are on the way to hero status or at least achieving something worthwhile then reality checks in; we see the wind, we face obstacles. unexpected conflict saps our, our 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 spirit. Plans get crooked. people we were counting on fail us or let us down. The economy zigs when it is expected to zag, just when we were hoping for easy portage and smooth sailing. We find ourselves stuck at the sight of the winds. We sign up to volunteer in a ministry. We are excited about serving in a church. But that excitement only leaves for a month. Then we deem out since it's taking a lot of our time. Since it's engaging a lot of our finances, it needs us to go to church. It needs to go out to another place to minister to other people. And at the end of it all, anyway, there is no certificate for serving. You sign up and join a fellowship group, maybe a community life group or an affinity group. You are excited about growth and fellowship with other believers. Then after three meetings, you realize, Allah, people need to get committed here you're required to meet every day you're required to meet once a month you're required to study God's word uh, diligently your commitment is called into question and all of a sudden you're not available for these things things that you signed up things that got you excited you deem out you see the cost of being a disciple and you start stumbling and pole pole you dim out of fellowship you join the secret service I could go on and on and on with examples of how we see wind we see the wind things that distract us from the main things of life things that draw us From seeing and focusing on Jesus Christ. Peter shifts his focus from Jesus to his circumstances. Jesus rescues Peter and encourages him to move from fear to faith. I like Peter because even when Peter was sinking, he had faith in Jesus. He called out, Lord, save me. He didn't try to do it on his own. He didn't try to call his fellow disciples. He didn't say please bring the ship, bring the boat closer to me so that I can jump in. He didn't try to swim. He knew he was going to die. He called, Lord save me. Who do you call when you start sinking? Do you call the people, the influential people that you know to help you? Or do you call the Lord? Who do you call when you see that tender in that organization, in that company? Do you call the director because he's your relative to be able to push it for you so that you get it? Who do you call? Do you call Jesus? When things seem not to be working in your family, who do you call? Do you run away Or do you call Jesus? John Carson, writing about faith, writes and says, If you ask people what faith is, most will answer, Faith is believing even though you don't have evidence. Not true. Faith is not believing in spite of the evidence. Faith is obeying in spite of the consequence. Faith says, I will do what the Lord says, even though it means a storm is headed my way even though it means there will be difficulties, obstacles and challenges, even though it may be brutal and difficult, even though I must struggle, I will obey. That is faith. The disciples were amazed. They had witnessed Jesus feed the multitude, the 5,000 men. They had just seen him walk on water. They had seen him calm the storm. But even after seeing all this, they still did not understand who Jesus really and truly was. When they saw him walking on water, they said, it's a ghost. I think they should have said, it's the Lord. Their hearts were still hardened to understand these things. And they were still men of little faith. Even Jesus tells them, why do you doubt ye of little faith? But the next verse shows a shift in their understanding of who Jesus was. The next verse says, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down then those who were in the boat worshipped him saying truly you are the son of God. Now this is the first time that the disciples refer to Jesus by his full title the son of God. They haven't done this before but because of Peter's act they can testify their understanding is different becoming a disciple often requires us to take risks when others want I remember when in school a teacher would ask a question and we were afraid because you do not want to say the right answer wrongly or you do not want to give the wrong answer to the question and I remember a day when a teacher came and asked a question and no one raised up their hand to answer the question. But there were mamas in the class. People who thought they knew the answer, but they were not saying. They were just murmuring. And the teacher was like, any of you knows the answer? Please rise on your feet. Amazingly, half of the class stood. And the teacher did something that caught my mind since then. I asked, always stuck in my mind the teacher punished there was corporal punishment in those days Um, the, the teacher punished everybody who stood because they knew the answer and they never attempted to to tell it or to share it with the rest of the class there are many times that we are afraid of doing things of taking risks because we do not want we will see on the other side of it. There are Many times when people have asked, we are in gatherings, people say, do we have a Christian here who can pray? And uh, you thought to yourself, no, I'm not a pastor, I cannot pray. There are times when they have asked things that you knew, but you didn't want to be judged, so you chickened out and you didn't say a thing now Peter's step of faith focuses other people on Jesus we see when they went onto the boat uh, there was calm in the sea and Peter's risk risk causes the other disciples to worship Jesus Peter taking that risk Enables other disciples to understand who Jesus was. Now someone else's big faith often motivates us to trust God more in our lives. The faith of everyone in the boat increased on that day. Even though it was only Peter who stepped out of the boat. In hard times, we want Jesus to change our circumstances. And sometimes he does. But more than that, he wants to change our character. He wants to deal with us. And he uses experiences as this to do so. Will we trust him even when the waters are stormy? Will we step out of the boat? As the worship team comes, maybe you're here. And you are at the initial stage where Peter was when Jesus called him. An accomplished fisherman being instructed by the son of a carpenter on where to throw the net to have a mega catch. An accomplished fisherman who was called to become a fisher of men to abandon his tread and join a new line of fishing. Maybe Jesus is calling you this way. He's telling you, leave what you know come follow me and of course you are seeing the wind you are saying I'm inadequately trained I'm, I'm not holy I'm not perfect right. neither are we we who serve the Lord it's his grace that enables us to serve him it's not our qualifications it's not because we study theology it's because God called us and we responded to that call, but maybe he may not be calling you to full time ministry this way but he's calling you to full time ministry wherever you are what are you doing are you hearing his voice and just pushing it aside maybe you're here and you're hearing him say to you come step out of the boat trust me I will walk with you and I will make you a new creation. You've always believed there is another God somewhere and he's telling you, come. I'm the only true God. There is no other God. Come. We can get started on an adventurous relationship where you are my disciple and you can make other disciples. Jesus is calling you today. You're here and you're stuck in the boat. Your boat is whatever represents safety and security to you apart from God himself. Your boat is whatever you attempted to put your trust in. Especially when life gets a little stormy. Your boat is whatever keeps you so comfortable that you don't want to give it up. Even if if it means something else. Sorry. Your board is whatever keeps you comfortable. That, you do, that which you do not want to give up. Even if it keeps you from joining Jesus on the waves. Your board is whatever pulls you away from the high adventure of discipleship. Making disciples who make disciples. What's your board? Is your boat that relationship, that illicit relationship that you've refused to let go because you feel this is this is how I make a livelihood. Maybe your boat is what that career. That career that you know truly goes against God. God has told you to do something else and you've refused to obey him. Is that bought and forgiveness and failure to love them that God wants you to love? You're like, no, that cousin of mine did this to me. I cannot love them. I cannot forgive them. Is that your boat? What is your boat? Is your boat a deal, a corrupt deal? that tender that you know someone told you you have to give a kickback is it that business you know you have to bribe to get your way into it what is your board maybe you're struggling to get out of the board or maybe you've taken you've taken your eyes off Jesus and you're starting to sink you're like no it's getting harder yes I really I really want to follow Jesus but I find myself attracted to the same sex you start sinking yet God has told you he created both male and female he, he has the ultimate design of mankind. You've started sinking. There are different conflicts in your life presently and God can use those conflicts. God can use that crisis that you're in to lead others to worship him, to lead you to trust in him more. To lead you to have faith in him. Jesus wants to change your character. And he is telling you step out. Step out. And be that disciple. Be that disciple who walks on water. Be that disciple who trusts in him wholly. Go to our house. Look at the path of the air they do not have, they do not plant. Yet their heavenly father takes care of them. Look at the lilies of the valley. Not even Solomon with all his splendor was dressed like the lilies of the valley. Do not be afraid. Do not worry of what you will eat or wear today because the father will take care of you. Many times we tell the Lord, Lord, I don't know even how to serve you. I request us to rise as we pray together. and Just talk to him. What is that thing that gives you the greatest fear? What is that thing that you are asking the Lord? Help me to overcome this. Grow my faith in this. What is the lord calling you today to do what does he want you to let go he's saying even when you're sinking when you start sinking call out on his name and he will come and rescue you see what the bible tells us while we were still sinners christ died for us he didn't die for us because we are holy because we were so clean and we we are heaven beings or oh, heavenly beings his love is calling you today let's pray lord many many days we are like peter you call us we respond And then we take our eyes off you. We start to sink. Lord, this day, what we want to do is do like what Peter did. Call you to save us. You know the different circumstances that we are in. And we want to acknowledge that only you can rescue us. Lord, help us to see you. Help our eyes to see you and not to see the wind. The Lord, we will stretch out our hands to be picked by you and nothing else. Walk with us.